So uh, I noticed in the last episode four, you didn't introduce yourself. Really? Mm-hmm. It was just me, and I was like going to pick from another one, but then it just got overly complicated. I was like, I'm just going to stop. So let's make sure. I want to make sure you say. I didn't say it's Antonio. Mm-hmm. You didn't. Huh. You didn't hear it? Yeah. Yeah, you didn't say. I could have sworn I did. Mm, I thought you did too. And then when I heard it back, I was like, Mike was on everything. You didn't say anything. Hmm. I think you were just comfortable Mm. because we were on your couch. Oh. And you're like laid back. That's a good point. That's probably what it was. Okay. So, hey guys, it's March. It's Antonio. And you're listening to Hola Vichola. Winning. Welcome, episode six, guys. We are over the hump. Is it how many episodes is this season supposed to be? Do you know? I think it's ten. Really? I think I did ten weeks. It's always eight or ten. Wow, eight or ten. So the episode started sixty percent of the way through March, beginning of March, like March sixth. Yeah, it was definitely beginning of March, and then it ends like May. So that means it's been at least four weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, six weeks because there's six episodes. Yeah. So. so we probably have four more left, I think. Any Anywhere between four or two. No, we have two. Is it only eight? Hold on. You know what? Let's look at the schedule real quick. Okay. That's, yeah, we should know this. All right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, it's up. there's 10 episodes. There's 10 episodes, but we don't record mm. the 10th episode until May 16th. But if we record April 18th, that yeah, weekend, yeah. that week, then it would be episode 10 on May 9th. So it ends May 9th. I just mm. skipped uh, and I brought it down. So it is 10, it's 10 weeks. Wow. So it's 10 episodes. Yeah, we're 60%. We're, like you said, we're over halfway. Wow. We are over halfway through. Man. Oh, okay. So now that we're in it, yeah. we are committed, <laughs> clearly. Sure. Clearly. Since you weren't here last week, any any tidbits, anything you wanted to add to last week's episode? Yeah, actually, there was a good chunk. Okay. <laughs> I'm, honest, I'm really bummed out I couldn't do it. Okay, okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, in short, um, every episode, they do it. And it happened again, in last episode, okay. with the butterfly. Okay. Do you remember the butterfly? No. So, it only appeared twice. Okay. The first time was right after... Uh, Jerry had finished talking to Jack and Mm -hmm. asking him to like understand, hey, this is what you got. You got to work with it. Feel a little bit more loose with the system. And Jack was like, no, that's not why I came here. And then uh, he went into his office and the scene, he was just staring into the window. Mm -hmm. But in the window, there was a spider web and a butterfly was caught in it. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. And to me, that's allegory. It's like a metaphor or a simile or it's ad, it's an allegory. Well, we'll go with allegory. Sure. Of Jack himself. I'm sure himself. someone will let us know. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> of Jack himself. Okay. He felt like he was a butterfly because he was finally out of his assistant cocoon in Portland and he could really let his new system flourish. Mm-hmm. But he felt trapped. Because the organization that he thought he could do it in, it seemed like 
that wasn't going to be an option. So the spider beaten by the butterfly? Well, the butterfly being, being trapped in the spider web. So that was like old McKinney. That was like McKinney. Was this beautiful thing? It's it like not necessarily this, like, old McKinney. It was the Portland butterfly. McKinney. The butterfly is new McKinney. The spider web is the Lakers. Oh, okay, mm. okay, okay. And he yes. thought he was going to be a butterfly flying freely. Gotcha. But he's trapped. Gotcha. Okay. And then you already covered it, obviously. And then, of course, that wild ending of that episode yes right before he chooses the and by the way it's uh tennis it wasn't golf i said golf yeah (laughs) are you sure Mm -hmm. they went to play tennis whoops and right before i mean literally the actor did such a great job he was about to not go okay right he was like still in head in basketball Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then he looked up and the same butterfly, obviously not the exact same one, but the style of it was the same. Okay. Had flapped by and it wasn't trapped in the web anymore. And this huh. was at the point where the montage happened after the opening night okay. where they just were really successful. Okay. The Lakers were. So like they were winning and they were on top of the West and they were playing with the best and the new system was working because Kareem was finally all in. Yeah. So it was all looking great. And mm-hmm. his wife was like, I'm going to go hang with. Paul's wife, mm. you should go stop playing basketball and go play tennis. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't going to. And right before he decided, you know what? Let me go. It was because he saw the butterfly. If you remember the scene, he was sitting there mm-hmm. looking at the basketball mm-hmm. documents and then looked up and the butterfly flat by. And it's to me yet another allegory that was it's working. Finally, I'm here. Maybe He's I can. Free. I can write. I'm free. I can mm-hmm. relax a little. I can get off the gas pedal. So he puts that stuff down, grabs the racket, gets on the bike, and you know the rest is history. Mm. And I thought it was just fantastic. It was a nice touch. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, moving into this episode, mm-hmm. would the butterfly still come into effect? That same allegory. Um. Honestly, I would say, I don't know. The last two episodes have been not much comedic relief and a lot of meat of story. Mm, It's how I feel. And in talking about this episode, Mm -hmm. it's almost like the butterfly might even be irrelevant at this point. Okay. Um, Especially the way it ended, but Mm -hmm. we'll get there. Yeah, that's really interesting because I'm trying to think about how him seeing the butterfly is almost like he's off you know he's not trapped anymore he's his right. wings are you know yeah he's out of his cocoon but now to me the butterfly feels so much more like ominous mm, because of what happened mm-hmm. because he gets into the accident right yeah know? i mean almost feels like it was like you shouldn't have taken your foot off the gas that's not who you are okay and the universe is punishing you for it uh okay it's what it felt like because up to that point, his whole life was basketball. Right. You know, like he had never chose at least the like way he should have gone and played tennis. He, he should shouldn't have gone. He should have stayed and figured out the system because it was against Denver. Right. And they were planning for the star player who was. Right. Yeah. Thompson, something like that, I think. Uh, anyway, they had to make a game plan around him, and he was struggling about who the big man was going to be. Was it going to be mm-hmm. Cooper? Was it going to be Haywood? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I think of it as like, did the universe punish him? Does yeah, the universe those are harsh. act in terms? Those well, are like harsh words. punishment to me is like very like a Jude, Christian Judeo. Mm. When I think of like the universe, I think it's like I don't know if it's punishment. I don't think the universe pun. I don't think the universe actually like the the universe only does what you ask. Mm. That's how I see it. So you're saying he almost asked for this break? Yeah, like he mm. he, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like. You know, he he really wanted to break free from something, you know, and he was even questioning whether or not head coaching was like his like the next step in his journey. Right? Yeah. He was really questioning whether like this was the place that he needed to be where his, in. T- his method would flourish, you know, so. So yeah, so you know now you got me thinking. Like I'm thinking about like all that stuff and how it plays into this episode. Because so you know, with episode five, it ends with McKinney's brakes kind of giving out on him, falling yeah, off. And up. again, please wear your helmets. Seriously. Please wear your helmets. <laughs> so he basically hits him. Hit he like trips over his brakes and like hits his head on the pavement, and cracks he, a skull, he slides. His skin grinds on that. I pavement. mean, this episode is very confusing. I'm not gonna. It was felt like really trippy because I didn't know where we were and what we were doing and what was happening. And mm. there there was a lot of like mental health and like hospital. You mean the most this most recent episode? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's a lot going on. So we open up this <laughs> episode. I don't know why it's separated with Paul West had and pat riley in mckinney's office yes right yep. and i wrote how foretelling because i know right? pat riley is sitting in the head coach's, the chair, head coach's chair and he like swivels and he's like hey what's up and i'm yeah. just like oh man i'm just so happy <laughs> to see you on my screen yeah i've never dream, been happier to open up the scene and um because of the way that paul westhead speaks I just thought, like, okay, this episode is in a place of Shakespeare and Hamlet. Oh, yeah. We are officially the Hamlet episode. And we're in the Hamlet episode. That's right. And they're basically kind of, like, talking about, you know, I think Paul's looking for Jack because they were supposed to go play tennis together. And yes. he was like, oh, I figured he didn't show up. He's He must have stopped by the office. Right. And he went to check if he was there. And then it turns out that Jack's in ICU and he right. gets the call. But Paul and uh, Paul and Pat, yeah. they kind of have a moment. They have yeah. a moment as this the right-hand man. I mean, how could you not have a moment with Adrian Brody? But, like, right, right. Everyone, like, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> he just does it. He does it so well. Yeah. And, you Even know, in succession, I was like. Uh, yeah, of course. Of course, but that's succession. <laughs> that's that's the 21st century Shakespeare. But mm. um, yeah, I just they had think, a good dynamic. I thought it was a great dynamic, and it was nice to see Paul say more words than "Great job, you got it, Jack. Let's do this." But you can see why he doesn't say more right. words. He exactly. literally cannot speak English, <laughs> modern day English. The man cannot speak right. modern he day English. He speaks old. He speaks yield. Um, okay, so uh, basically, Jack, not Jack, uh, Paul gets the call. From his wife, right. That Jack's in the ICU. That Jack's in the ICU. He's gotten into an accident, and basically, he's gone. That's mm-hmm. it. He's on his way to the hospital. And then, the scene after, um, so then we move into basically the beginning of Magic's branding. 
That's right, yeah. He's and meeting with a bunch of shoe representatives. One of the great things. Not just shoes. Yeah, but I mean, um, but one of the great things about seeing this history play, how it played out, and mm-hmm. the time, and we're in 2022. Um, you know, you're kind of seeing like, oh, you shouldn't have made that choice, Ooh. the mistakes. I and know. so basically, because I think, who had a shoe at this time? Around the time that mm. I think was Dr. J. Dr. J. And at this point, uh, Larry Bird has already signed with Converse. Mm. That is a thing. That's so crazy to me. So, I mean, basically, Magic is being courted by a bunch of shoe companies, a bunch That's of right. branding yep. for because he's I mean, like cigarettes. Uh, food. We have Adidas, we have Puma, we have Converse, yeah. we have Nike, mm-hmm. we have cereal. And, and we I have. Mean, I personally think Nike's pitch was the best one. I mean, that's wealth, right? Yeah, and we'll we'll get into that. So basically, in this is this is this a scene where he um gets the the shares. Uh oh, you mean where it explains where the Nike rep offers him? It was Paul Knight offers was it, was him. It, was it this scene? Yes, it was at the end of the montage. So it was like a, it was like the Brady Bunch montage where right. everyone was saying the same thing. So Magic is in meetings and talks with a bunch of brands, and the ones that stood out um, were the Converse one mm-hmm. and the uh, Nike one. He Magic really liked the style of the Nike shoe. Yeah, the blazer, I think. Right, and yeah. and um, I mean, it said. And then Converse. And I think he was more competitive. He was leaning more into Converse because Bird had with Converse. I think he, I didn't think Converse had a really good deal. I didn't think any of them did really besides Nike. Yeah, and, and then go ahead. I think uh, he wasn't really leaning towards any because he was hearing all the pitches and he was like, "That's a lot to take in," especially because they kept ending their pitch with. We've already got confirmation that Larry Bird has joined and is signed for this much. So it was like he knew that was the rivalry. Side note, one thing I think this show has done exceptionally well Mm -hmm. is although Larry Bird was a significant part of Magic's professional upbringing, Mm -hmm. like from high school to college to maybe the earlier years in the NBA career, Mm -hmm. this show isn't about Larry Bird. Right. So they do a great job of sprinkling him in. Yeah, seeing how necessary. he was a motivator. How, right. Yeah. I think that that's just done very well. But ultimately, yeah, I don't think, I think he was leaning the most towards Nike because the shoe itself actually said magic on it. Mm, which is what he wanted. So, mm-hmm. oh, that's me again. Um, so basically at the end of this scene, it's, mm-hmm. um, it, there's a montage and then it ends with Nike offering magic shares, which was like, I think at the time it was like 18 cents a share yep. and, um, shares. And what, what was like one more thing? I forgot what the, it offer was, was. a dollar, the custom shoe, oh, a custom shoe and a dollar per shoe sold yep. and shares like a hundred K in shares in shares for 18 cents. Oof. Sheesh. You know, and that's, you know, one of the things I think I wrote is like financial literacy, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. In this scene right now, I was like, I need to be more financially literate. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm not illiterate, yeah. but I need to be more literate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
I follow this really great like Instagram account. I think she goes like your your rich BFF and she's like oh. into finance hmm. and she really talks about like how to make money work. But I still struggle with like how finance and how money works, how money will work in the future. Right. You know, cause yeah, like a huge question mark. is generational wealth really land property owning in the same way? Like, will it be? Yeah. Like, will it be? Right. You know, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm building generational wealth. I have like 10 units and I'm like, so you want to be a landlord. Right. That's, Which, you know, they'll make bank, but, Right. Is that the general wealth that I I want to like partake in? Or, right. or, you know, I don't know. It's The biggest question for me about wealth is I don't assign much value to money. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm, my financial literacy is low in the aspect of like caring, mm. but not like decision making. Like I won't make a careless decision financially. Yeah. I'm learning a lot through Mickey. But yeah. Yeah. That's my biggest issue is I don't really assign much value to money. Yeah, I don't necessarily care either. I just know that it, it's how it functions. So well, like, of course, right. I accept the reality that yeah. I need it. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that's the thing, right? I don't think the piece of paper. I don't think money really means anything to a lot of to anyone. I think money represents something, and money gives you access and freedom to things. But I don't think people actually care about money. Um, I disagree. Yeah. I think I think the percentage of people that actually care about money is a lot higher than the people that is caring the same thing as like valuing. You mean right? So like, people value money, right? Because to me, when you assign value to something, even if it's not money, right, it takes priority. Yeah, you, know, you invest more resources than you wouldn't if you right. didn't assign. Value so you're saying more people value money? Yeah. Because when I think care, I'm like, I don't think they like. Cr- care like they, yeah yeah they hold yeah, it yeah. she's and like, like holding her hands off no i know i don't mean that i didn't mean that i meant like value they, just like yeah, they put high value they yes. put a lot of importance to it yes absolutely yeah a lot of people do that for sure mm-hmm. which you know okay yeah, money's your hobby yeah sure <laughs> i guess you know, whatever i just gotta make it and i gotta spend it yeah gary v <laughs> Um. So then, oh yeah, what's that? Is that that guy's name, Gary? Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, that guy. I like the guy, but there's there's just, there's something funny about him. But I like him a lot. Um, I there's something about him that makes me makes my stomach like turn. Really? Mm-hmm. Something about him is telling me like, you know, I don't know what it is, but I I have a thing with like cringe in general Mm -hmm. he comes across as like really cringy to me Mm -hmm. and but Mm -hmm. i think that that's also because he puts himself out there in ways that i just like wouldn't personally because of how i value things right but i don't know there's just something about his methodology that is like obvious Mm -hmm. to me you right, know, right. I just, I mean, I'm like, you're not really saying anything. Like, I, I guess I ask myself, who needs, to, who wants to hear this? Yeah, he's definitely a niche market. Like, it's all, I mean, not, if you but consider entrepreneurs really niche. niche. He's not really niche, though. Right, right. I mean, I would say entrepreneurship is Gary V. Like, that dude is what he preaches all the time. But, <coughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. Like, I saw one video when he was like. Not being niche. <clears throat> I saw one video where he was like. How to get more viewership. And mm. it's basically just like nonstop content. Yeah. Nonstop dumping. But is that quality dumping? 
Am right. I have I turned my Instagram into like my Twitter feed? Well, like I guess that's the whole point there with him. What I do like about him, he's very upfront with a lot of things. So he's like, "This message is not for someone that's looking to." The attraction is the content. Maybe after you're famous. But then you have followers, right? And then when you sent me that video, when he was like, "It's all about your followers," I'm like, "But if you're dumping, and everything is for them, what's the what's the like?" quality of follower you have what are they looking for when you're just like sending a bunch of all these what i mean is i'm not saying your question is invalid i'm saying it doesn't apply to the people he's approaching he's trying to talk to in the video yeah i mean i I meant more of a like i've watched a bunch of them that was like one of the consensus i got from all of his videos was just like don't you why should you care about what people think and i'm like i don't okay yeah but maybe that's just me because i live in a kind of like my own echo chamber like i don't think you live in a business world i don't either yeah i I know someone who does so like i have a reference point and that's what i mean like Mm. my what makes me uncomfortable about him doesn't really come from like him it comes from like the place i operate from right and i don't i don't think he's talking to me but like seeing him just like why are you talking like that like who right, right. who is actually but it's like but of course i don't exist yeah, in those spaces I so you, that's my biggest disconnect with him too so that's it's a disconnect I don't, I don't feel you all the way but in this world i'm trying to understand better yeah i like you the most yeah and there's a reason why there's yeah. a reason why for me and i was actually talking about me this the other day um i feel like in the world that is business is very easy to make decisions where you start losing a little bit of yourself Mm-hmm. in this decision-making process. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's someone that doesn't lose himself mm. in this world. Mm. And I think that's the only reason, that's, that's the a, yeah. majority of the reason to why that's I actually like him. That's What's his name? Trey Kennedy? Right, Trey Kennedy, yeah. He, like, he's great, he's hilarious. So funny, has a market. Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't think it ever appeals to me. But I understand it. Right, exactly. I know where it comes from. I it, It's fun. And I don't feel like, I don't reject it in a mm-hmm. way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I even was like listening to like their their podcasts and stuff like that mm-hmm. too. And I thought they were really fucking funny on the podcast. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. How- I mean, they're not the same. I just mean like these two people who are unapologetically themselves. Mm-hmm. The way well, Gary really comes, hate that phrase. What, unapologetic. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's a thing I've had. Is like a since. buzzword. Yes, mm-hmm. and what it's what it's become, mm-hmm. or how it's being used. I like Oof. if I'm in a public space mm-hmm. and I'm in a group, and someone in the group <laughs> uses that phrase, I'm gonna be straight up. I just dismiss them. <laughs> in what way has that word been used as like for you that's like lost its value or lost its meaning every for the most part i mean it is a buzzword for sure yeah yeah yeah. like for me it's been anytime i'm having a conversation that i guess would generally be perceived as deep mm. um and <laughs> to me i'm just trying to learn about this person because uh, we're right in front of each other and mm-hmm. we're just sharing the space so let's talk if you're up for it and then they are and we talk and then it gets to a point where they're like i just want to be unapologetic unapologetically oh you myself. hate it because you can't say it <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no. I, it's, I have a hard time saying it but 
I see what you're saying. It it seems to be it's like there's a recording mm-hmm. of a specific phrase, mm-hmm. and that phrase can only be said within this recorded phrase, okay. and everyone says the same recorded phrase. Yes, that's like pop. Yeah, it's that's yeah. pop culture, right? Everyone. A lot of people like to be told what to think and Mm -hmm. what to say and how to say it, right? So, I mean, I hear you. There's, like, certain term terminologies and buzzwords that, like, on TikTok and, like, on social media that I'm like, you know, you don't have to say that. Right. This has already been set to death. And do you... But that's the thing, right? I think there is, like, a hunger. A hunger to be... I think, you know, it seems like you know there's just like a lot of duality right where there are people who are themselves and embrace every single part of themselves and there are people who like cannot you know and i find that there's like a hunger for people to like express themselves fully Mm -hmm. but i also think that that's misguided and like they want to express themselves from a place of rage Mm. You know, which I relate, but I think that that's, that'll be the one where you'll have like the most regrets. So just like, I just want to like express myself, say everything and no apologies. And I'm like, you know, the best place to start by not apologizing is to stop apologizing. Yeah. Like people say like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I'm like, you know what? Don't even say I'm sorry anymore. Start there. Yeah. You could also start with just not saying unapologetically. Yeah. Just don't say that. Yeah. It's just a very personal. I would. I mean, I would trigger. too if I couldn't say the word. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I don't know how to say it because I never say it. Yeah. So yeah. I, need to I practice mean, it. when I was first hearing it, I definitely I was I'm like, yeah, that's. I was like, I'm that's the feeling. That's the term. But I think now everyone's like, be the villain. It's like being the villain is the equivalent to being unapologetic. I see what you're saying, and I, that's how I see the two. And I'm like, these two things are not the same thing. Yeah, I mean, but stop. But people are equating it to being like, "I'm going to be a villain," so that means I'm going to express myself unapologetically. Yeah, it's just a word. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even have an issue with anything. No, else. I think for it's you, the word for you, it's like who says the word and who it's attached to, right? That's probably. And I think it's accurate. like people who you're like, you have no depth. What are you talking about? What it's I yeah it leads to more questions like yeah what exactly are you about to release exactly what is this what do you what, what do you, is it that you're gonna stop apologizing for right and usually it's nothing it's, it's like right but I know to them it's not nothing and that's all that really matters but yeah I think it kind of goes back to a little bit this is kind of like a deep cut but I know we talked about I sorry I'm breaking on hives yeah um, you're good seeing yeah it's just part of my thing um when we talked about whether you whether i believed or whether i asked you guys if you believed everyone was spiritual or everyone was capable oh, of being spiritual oh i remember that talk and you were like how could you say and Whoa, i and i did not blow up like that that was mike no <laughs> i said i don't believe everyone is a spiritual person and you were like how could you say that that didn't go that way and but i said i said something along the lines of like i think everyone's capable i just don't assume everyone's like spiritual like it takes depth to really get to that place and you're like well how do you define spirituality and Mm -hmm. i was like but that's right that's how i define it Mm -hmm. i know kind of what i'm looking for and you were just like but 
But that's kind of like putting judgment on other people. No, no, no. See, you're, like, you're mixing people because Mike was there uh-huh. and Mike was the one that was like, when you say it, it's condescending. And you and him started going at yeah, it. And but I it, was just sitting there listening. No, you added to it. Well, yeah, I kept saying like, well, yeah, I agree. Like the phrase is condescending because it's the way you said it. And then eventually you explained and you were, and we were both like, oh, shit. Well, yeah, like, yeah, what you're saying makes complete sense. Yeah. But at the time. But like, I think this is the same thing of saying like, you know, unapologetic and villain and like who's saying it. It's also kind of implying that like this person, like you said, you're like, it's not that they don't have depth because it's not really for me to say, but it's annoying because you're like, you kind of already, you have a understanding of what you think depth is. And so this person to you doesn't meet that threshold. So they're saying things that you apply depth to. So when they're saying it, you're like, what are you apologizing for? You like, you're, you're vanilla. That's probably a way that I hadn't even considered that I was looking at it. That may have subconsciously been happening and I didn't even realize it. Cause to me, I was hyper-focused on the word itself. Yeah. I really just don't like that word. Yeah, and I think, but there's a reason why, right? Right, because it's a word. But up to that point, I I wasn't thinking of like, oh, well, maybe it's because they aren't meeting my personal standards of depth. Yeah, that makes more sense than what I thought it was. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, like I thought I didn't like that word because it was a buzzword, and to me, it implied, oh, well, you don't really have any thoughts of your own. Right, you're using this word because it's hot to use. Yeah, and it's like. Are you telling me what you're trying to say, or are you telling me what you think I should be hearing about this topic? And it's yeah. like, well, then I mean, I'm not really talking to you, and that's when I start going down that road. Yeah, but I think buzzwords exist because they meet, they're, they're just terms for people who don't know how to express themselves. That's true. So they speak through buzzwords. And so you think, okay, like you said, right? The first thing you said was, what do you have to apologize for? What are you needing to? And so that asks more questions to the person who's saying it. Mm. Rather than like dismissing them, you're like, okay, go for it. You want to be that? Do it. Right. What does that mean? What does that mean? It was like, uh. Like, are you going to start, I don't know, singing out of nowhere? Are you going to bust a routine out? Are, are you going to slash some tires? Yeah. Are you going to crack <laughs> some jokes on everyone here? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. You know? And I think it's like, a just, you know, people don't have like a lot of words to how like express these things that's a good point so buzzword is just like you know like sheeps being guided <laughs> by a shepherd not to call i, I know, again i'm I not know, trying to sound I condescending know. i just no I that know. is how i there's it, a word for that though like what you're saying is accurate but then how it came off was something else what was I don't what's know the what word i don't know oh, i have okay, to look okay. it up but yeah that just happened yeah. Because I knew what you meant. Yeah. But then what it sounded like was different. Right? Yeah, what it sounded I was like, I'm I'm just putting in not not applying judgment to it, just thinking of right. like it was a relationable it was a relatable correlation. Yeah, that, that yeah, is it's just, exactly like she'd been heard. Yeah, you totally. just you know, everyone says bass, so everyone's right. bang, because that's like <laughs> the thing that everyone understands. Right, you right. know. But then because of the buzzword, yeah. You start like Baz the new oh, buzzword. Oh, oh god. <laughs> I'll have to work on that. Um, see, but that's you made how some fair points. I, that helps me not apply judgment to people, mm-hmm. you know. Because even when we were talking about the spiritual thing, I was like, "Well, I'm not trying to apply judgment," but I could see how by me saying they're not, mm-hmm. it's almost like me putting tearing myself in a way, like I'm I'm this and you're right, not. Right. Which again, that wasn't what I was saying, but I can see how it can be perceived that way by just simply saying 
you're not this. Right, because I, like I think that's what it was. I think that's a blanket statement and period. Yeah, yeah. you know. But um, I don't even know how we got into this conversation. Anyway, Converse, <laughs> Nikes. Right, yep. Um. So then the next scene after that is where. Um, oh, what am I even talking about? Oh my goodness, I wrote it down. One dollar for every shoe plus stocks. Yep. What? Actually, before we move on from that scene, mm-hmm. we're at the Westin. Yes. Um, in LA, where Bonaventure, because I stayed at that place, I stayed at that hotel, where they shot this scene where they're walking through the hallway mm-hmm. and they're in that glass elevator. Yeah. And they go down and, yeah, we stayed there when we went to LA a couple of years it ago. It looks that way too? Oh, yeah, it's still that way. Oh, wow. It was like built in like the 80s or something, 60s. During I don't know. The dynasty? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a gorgeous hotel because it's like hotel rooms at the top, mm. and then it has like a center where there's a bunch of food. There's a, a level with food, and then mm. beneath that is where like checking in is. Mm. Actually, they were having like a car show there when we were staying there, and there was like Ferraris pulling in and like driving into the into the hotel. La things. And there's like this beautiful bar, and we met up with like one of our friends bar. who was. <laughs> Vista del Mar. Bar. Star. Okay, I'm going to have to look into this because I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but there's like a beautiful bar. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and it's it's a it's a beautiful hotel. I just yeah. I just saw it and I was like, the Westin. That's cool that you picked up on it though. Yeah, yeah. they actually shoot at two Westins in this. They want the, hmm. they shoot one in Atlanta, the Westin in Atlanta, and then the one here. Um, so... After the Weston, mm. we are in the ICU again. That's right. Um, and then after that, uh, basically, what's his face? Paul Westhead. He's like talking to Jack, mm. talking to the doctor. Everything needs to like, he's worried. Yes. But then the soon after that, we're at breakfast at the pool with Dr. Bus. Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson makes an appearance. Yep, he made one last episode as well. He didn't I, have a line though. Really? Yeah, I was going to talk about all the celebrity lookalikes that were in that episode when they introduced the floor seats. Oh, totally, oh my Jack God. Nicholson. Okay, and so then we have breakfast at the pool, and we learn that Frank's buddy, homie's name is Frank Mariana Mariani. Yep, Mariani, and. Um, a couple of things I wrote was uh, bus and the clap. And I thought <laughs> the clap. Yeah. Probably. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and then another thing I wrote about the scene was um, how magnetic bus's confidence is throughout mm. this time. So basically bus is at this breakfast yep. at the pool mm. <clears throat> with Frank Mariani. Yep. And he's talking to these bankers who he owes money to. That's right. That's and right. at this time, he... And one of the bankers is clearly like not buying what Dr. Buss is selling. Yeah, there's one banker who's like a serious one. And there's the other one who's... He looks like a, a mobster. He's a little bit more indulgent, yeah. shall we say. <laughs> and he's liking Buss's like angle, the Lakers, the ladies, the yeah. cigars, the bars, the drinks... And there's the other one, the other banker, who's much more straightforward and serious. 
And they're basically talking about how, you know, Bus is saying, I don't got the money, but I got a deal for you. How about you invest in <laughs> into the Lakers? Because if you don't, then Frank Mariner just gonna go bankrupt, and then you're just gonna like basically right. come yeah. and get our like dust in our pockets. Mm-hmm. And, and this is because <clears throat> he had signed ownership over to his ex-wife. Yes, so he's he, basically like, you can't really come for me. The team isn't even mine anyway. Exactly. Um, but what you can do is be the first bank to partner with us. Partner with us, which mm-hmm. made me think of like, is this the beginning of like advertising? Also, or at the very least, having um, funding, private funding, private funding. Okay. Um, And while all while they're having this entire conversation, I'm like realizing how I know it's six episodes in, right? But I'm realizing just how magnetic Bus's like confidence is, and his ability to like sit with these bankers who he owes three million dollars to. And around that time, that is no joke. Three mil in the 80s. And yeah. he's like, instead of me paying you, you pay me more. Mm-hmm. And then you pay me more. <laughs> yeah. How does that sound? <laughs> and what you get in return is advertising. Showtime. And so basically the guys are going to reconsider it. They're not really sure. But, you know, they're excited. They're seemingly excited. They, right. they're it's just, not a hard no, that's for sure. It's not a hard no. Right. So then the next scene, we are with Magic and Cindy's daddy, who's a lawyer. Yeah. Or a doctor of some mm-hmm. sort. Dr. Day. Um, I think that's yeah. what his name is. Dr. Thomas Day. Yep, Thomas Day. And he's basically doing big business with him. Right. It's a moment for big big businesses having yeah, a moment right now. I'm not now. sure what he does, because this is the first time they introduced this character. Yeah, so and they I'm just not... introduced him as like someone who was looking over the paperwork, but they didn't really say why he's a doctor. Right. I'm like, and just... what is their connection to him outside of Cindy in Michigan? Well, Cindy's not from Michigan. That's Cookie. Cindy is his LA girl. Well, no, Cindy came with him from Lansing. No, no, no. Cindy yeah. is doing her own thing in, in L.A. Well, she's with him now. But yeah. she came from Lansing. Because remember, earlier in the season. But she didn't come season, for. She didn't come for Magic. Yeah, she did. No, because she's going to doctorate school in L.A. Right. She chose to go to doctor school in L.A. for Magic, though. She said it in the show. Mm, Before, I remember Magic being like, you're not going there for me, are you? And she was like, no. No. But since we'll be out there... I want to be able to hang out with you. And he was mm. like, okay, because I'm going to do my own thing while I'm out there. Maybe. The, I remember that. Because I remember uh, she was all about magic because magic was sleeping with her. Remember right. at the no, they church? Were, they were like hooking up and stuff. But yeah. when he said she was going to, he was going to LA and she said, well, I'm going to be out there in school. And she goes, I know we're not together, but I want to, I want to, you, I want you to be able to call me while you're out there. And he yeah, was like, I mean, yeah, okay, that sounds cool. But I, figured, and all. I, I'm, I guess I'm implying more on the context of how those actors were acting it. Like, they that came up in conversation 30 seconds after they finished hooking up in a car. Right. So, like, the context of when you bring that up. Right. Isn't it sort of implying, like, oh, well, hey, by the way, I'm also going to be in L.A. for school. Right. Like, you, what I'm saying is I feel like Cindy didn't need to bring that up in that moment unless Mm -hmm. it was particular i guess what i'm saying is that 
it was they already had an understanding that she was going out there for school. Not so, before the car sex scene. That happened in the car. That conversation happened in the car. Right, but whenever it happened, it happened. And so she said, I'm going out there for school. And he said, I hope you're not going out there for me. Yeah, but that's like saying you're but not she taking in no. context clues. You're just taking in the script. No, I'm just taking in the scene. Right, and in the, the scene, they the had scene just had was, sex. They had just had sex, a very intimate moment. And he asked her, and she could have said yes, but she said no. I'm right. going out there for school. She couldn't say yes. He was with Cookie. No, he wasn't with Cookie. Yeah, he was. They hadn't broken up yet. He was still in Michigan when this happened. This is in the beginning of the show. I think we watched two different scenes. I mean, I think we interpreted two different scenes because I yeah. took it as him and Cookie were done because she said to him in the first episode, like, if you're going to go out there, I'm not following you. Right. So that to me meant they're broken up. Right, but. And then he and Cookie stopped hanging out and he was hooking up with Cindy. And yes. and Cookie was dating that guy with his shirt off that was playing basketball, Mr. Manager. Right, right. So they weren't together. I mean, so then, yeah, but, but she Magic still kept went, chasing Cookie. Yeah, which Cookie came back. Right. Well, Cookie was still like, you know, also seeing him. Yeah. But then when when Cindy was going out to L.A., she said, "I'm going out there for school, and when I'm out there, I wanted I wanted you to be able to call me." And he said, "That's cool and all, but I'm gonna be out there in L.A." I know, and I'm not saying so. That just because those it words just because it happened happen. post sex doesn't imply anything. It, I disagree. That's what I'm it, saying. It like, just means that he was like, yeah, even after we just had sex, I want nothing to do with you. He's saying that, but she's not saying that. You're implying that she's also saying that. Like, oh, well, maybe we'll see each other in LA. I'll be there too. That's what she said. So right. that's what you I mean, gotta those go. are the literal words being used, but. That's what you got to go by. No, not when it comes to a scene. Not, not with. That, that was, means you can just listen to the show. Well, that was the scene. The scene was. She but that's said, not okay. the whole scene. There's context. But the context is they had sex, and after they had sex... She brought up that I'm going to be in the same place you're about to leave to. Yeah, she likes him, but they're not... To, he made it clear to her is what I'm saying in that yeah, scene. Yeah, but the discussion that he is not whether they're together. The discussion is whether she went to L.A. for him or not. I don't think she went out, I don't believe she went out to L.A. Okay. exclusively for... She wants to do public relations. Right. It doesn't make sense to stay in Lansing for public relations. Okay, so off of that... We're now six episodes in. Mm -hmm. Have we seen anything about Cindy in public relations? This episode. She did that whole, this whole episode was like Cindy trying to do public relations for him. And her idea of public relations is using Magic's fame and their relationship for connections. Yeah. But literally saying us, we, my man. I mean, why not? That's context is what I'm saying. If we just go off of the words she's using, I'm sure. I'm just going yeah. off the scene. The scene right. said to me was... This is words used in the scene. Sure. The scene spoke to me and said, he spoke to her. He doesn't want to be with her. She said, I understand you don't want to be with me, but I'm making myself available to you. Okay. But and so that's what they're doing now in LA. She's available to him, but they're not together. So then why does she call him her man? She called him her man. Right. I'm not saying they're he together. He didn't call her her. So Remember, that's not the question here. So the question is why she really went to LA. No, you asked why did doctor, why, where did the doctor come from? Right. And I said through Cindy. So far, so good. Right. And that's not what I'm talking about, though. We okay. already agreed on that part. Okay. I'm talking about 
why Cindy went to LA. She went to go to school. Right. And that's how you're perceiving the scene. Yeah. And I'm saying, I'm just saying I disagree. I think the context, I think the context of the scene. Um, okay. So you're saying you believe she went out there for him. Yeah. That's basically all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly confident that she went for him because of the context in which the conversation was brought up. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't rely too much on that. Okay. But, but like, I also apply that to like my relationships outside of the world. Me too. Right. And it's, it's one that I, there's one I know that is a perfect reference and it fits perfectly. And up to this point, it's one-to-one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so regardless of the reason she went, she's there. Yeah. And she is, uh, including herself in all this. Right. So she wants to be like, basically she wants to represent magic in this. So uh, yeah, I mean, I see it differently, but yeah, I'd love to hear that. Well, how you took it. Okay. So, she brings her dad in to help magic look over the paperwork Mm -hmm. and magic's kind of appreciative, but he, in the scene, the way I see it, he's like wondering what this could mean for him and Cindy getting her dad involved and he's Mm -hmm. helpful. Like, what does he want from him? He's clearly wanting something from him. Has prior, because I think what's happening now is after Mike Epps makes his appearance. No, I have magic with lawyer, big business. Is this Dr. Thomas Trouble? And then the next scene is Jesse buses home. It's a twister. Um, Mike Epps is down here. Because mm. okay. right now they just had the meeting. And um, Dr. Thomas is like in uh, magic's house. And they're looking over the paperwork and Cindy's kind of in the background. Yeah. And Dr. and Dr. Thomas is asking him, like, are you distracted by women? Are you mm. distracted by vice? Are you, what are some of your distractions? He also says, you have to be more discreet. Mm-hmm. You have to keep everybody happy. And he's whispering with Cindy in the room. Right. So then, I mean, does that mean something for you? Yeah. I mean, what does that imply? Just implies that Dr. Thomas... Day, I'm not going to say that all the time. So I'm going to say Dr. Day. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Day is also aware that, well, is under the understanding that Magic is seeing his daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like he just, it's just another business transaction. Yeah. As far as the way that's going, because he doesn't even tell him, stop cheating. He says, right. be more secretive. I got it more that I, I got it more. It was more ominous to me. Like you like you women are your distraction. So like, right. If you're going to be around a bunch of like, don't be loud about all of the women you're seeing. Right. 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 Yeah. I think we're saying the same thing. Just yours but was first. I, mine's a second. I'm just not associating. I don't to me, Cindy and magic aren't together. I mean, okay. Well, that's I mean, why I'm I think saying his dad thinks so. Her dad thinks so. God, I see. I didn't get that. I think her dad, to me, was like they're not together because he was speaking so comfortable. Well, he was whispering to him. 
he was saying, hey, remember. But like his dad, her dad was speaking comfortably, whether he was whispering or not. He still felt comfortable enough to say, you need to be discreet about women. Right. And what I mean is I think him being discreet was intentional. Mm-hmm. Why would you have to whisper with someone who doesn't have a romantic connection to magic and is a woman? Well, out of respect. For what, though? Just the person that you're hooking up with. So, I mean, okay, I guess. I mean, that not that mean that they're a thing? No, I mean, I don't know. I look at it differently. I just think, like, if... And then his preceding action sort of, to me, bundles it all up, but which we'll get to. Yeah, I mean, I just see in that moment, he's kind of like, you know, okay, drugs isn't your thing. Alcohol isn't your thing. Mm. I think gambling wasn't his thing or something. But he was like, women, you seem, you, women is your thing. So don't be like distracted. Even I, I got him from saying like, don't even be distracted by my own daughter is what I got. Right, yeah, I'm not saying I didn't get that. I'm just saying there's more to it as well, which is why he whispered. Right. Because the piece where magic, because Dr. Day is not the one that says, you don't smoke, you don't drink. Remember, Cindy was sitting on, standing next to magic on the couch. And magic says, distractions, what do you mean? I'm focused. I don't drink none. I don't do none of that stuff. And then she's like, yeah, all he drinks is cola. And she gives him the Coke. Mm Mm-hmm. And her dad waits until she walks away mm-hmm. to then get close to him in the personal space and say, I'm just saying, if you're going to be with women, be discreet, like you're saying. Yeah. Be careful. And then he goes, make sure to keep everybody happy. And the camera pans to Cindy and comes mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I'm just saying that's how I, I read I that scene differently, that. a little differently than that. Um. But that's fine. Yeah, yeah, of course. I just mean, like, I didn't think, I thought he was telling Magic, I'm aware that you are hooking up with my daughter, but don't, don't let my daughter be a distraction. Like, don't let those things be a distraction is what I got. Okay. Which is why I'm saying he was speaking so comfortably about even saying, like, even with my own, I'm not concerned about you being with my daughter. Like, if, I, if it was up to me, you wouldn't be with my daughter. Okay, I mean, I didn't get that, but I feel you. So what um, you, what's your take in that scene when he says, keep everybody happy? What do you think he means by that? To me, I that implied that, like, basically just nod your head and just say yes to everything. Hmm. Don't, like, don't, basically don't start trouble. Just, like, you know, keep a good image, you know, and, like, don't. Put, present yourself as like a player don't present yourself as just play present yourself as like you're going to keep your team happy you're going to win the points you're going to score mm. the games and you're going to get the branding gotcha everything so, else is a distraction so no, no off-court distractions yeah that's what i got okay like don't i i got from him don't commit to anything outside of basketball mm. um and so that's why i thought he was speaking very comfortably to magic whether he was whispering or whatever the body language was i thought he was more saying magic you can trust me because i'm even telling you i i don't even be with my daughter yeah yeah i don't i agree with everything that you've said so far yeah i just think there's more as well yeah no i mean but that's why we watch it because mm. you know we get different perspectives we, we can watch really. the same scene and get two totally different yeah. 
things. So after that, we move into um, Mrs. Bus, Jesse Bus, Dr. Bus's mom. Dr. Bus's mom. And it's basically. It's literally. It's a it's Twister. Yeah, there's a paper storm in there. Like how? The windows are open. <laughs> but like, have you ever been to a high rise? Um, uh, I don't think so, actually. Because I'm thinking like. Where's the, the wind coming from? Where's the wind coming from? Right. Like you're, you know, you're at a high rise. You can, you know, you've been to a hotel with a high rise yeah. hotel. Mm. When you open up a window, there's not just like a swirling of of paperwork. Right. Like, where's the wind coming from? Right, is what right. I'm saying. Right, right. Um, yeah, it was. It's really chaotic. <laughs> it was just so insane. But I think it was more telling of obviously Jesse's, you know, deteriorating condition. Right. right. She is basically aging, and I don't know if this is like onset dementia, maybe Alzheimer's. They did. They, I think they talk something about exhaustion too. Yeah, but uh, would exhaustion like prevent her from paying bills and like filing documents? Right, like, right. I guess I was wondering where the exhaustion was coming from because she was sending old checks from old accounts. Right. So that to me implied a little bit more that it was like maybe her condition might be moving into, you know, Alzheimer's or like dementia or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. no, I agree. I th- definitely think something's going on. Um, it was. Oof. But I think this is one of the, f- this is the second time we've seen Bus being vulnerable. Where we're watching Doctor Bus, Doctor Bus being vulnerable, and we're watching mm-hmm. him, we're watching him be like really scared for his mom, right? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Where he's looking like she's gonna be fine, everything's gonna be okay, and Jeannie's like, no, none right. of this is fine. And then Jeannie's a mess herself because she can't decide between what I think what Mama Bus told mm-hmm. her a few episodes ago, which was which was. Ultimately, this is just another thing your dad's playing with. Yes, yeah. He's going to move on, and everyone that gets in the way is just in the way. It doesn't matter who you are. Right. Which kind of was like the tornado, right, a little right. bit? Yeah, almost. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, it even uh, Jeannie, I think she brought it up in this scene, too, um, that that's when she first mentions, I should have told you, last time, the opening night, grandma didn't know what day it was. Right, right. And, uh, but I think like there was a lot of connections here. And you, I think you see a lot of different faces of Dr. Buss because when he was very nervous about opening night, I know it's not this episode, but it connects to it. Um, when he was there for opening night and his mom didn't make it, I actually got, he looked back and was like, she didn't make it. And it wasn't like, uh, he dismissal. was devastated. Right. He was yeah. devastated. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like, I love how often he's okay with not, with showing kind of what he's feeling. Like, I understand yeah. he has this image he keeps up. Yeah. But he has this incredible way of introspecting. Mm-hmm. Dr. Busta's and John C. Riley's just, he just m- does it murdering so well. this role. Yeah. Murdering this role. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, that's what I think that the, it, it led up to this moment. With he Mama has Bus. an ability, at least John C. Riley as Doctor Buzz. He has an ability to like make Doctor Buzz seem very likable, right. very human, 
Very you know, human. There's Very something human. about him that he can go from like a party boy to like, where are my brown pants? <laughs> right. right. You know, right. and I felt like even, in, you know, when he's in the elevator with Jeannie mm-hmm. after leaving his mom's place, yep. he's basically like, she's going to be fine. And Jeannie's like, no, everything is, everything is crazy. Like, right. how are we going to see this through? And I'm just thinking like, you know, oh, when he discovered that his mom never submitted. Yeah. The, never submitted the, the changing change of ownership. Of ownership. Oof. That that actually like answers a lot of questions, right? Because I'm thinking, when did this happen? Does she own the does she own the Lakers today? Who you know, just kind of thinking of how that played out, but it turns out it never played out. Yeah, it never even happened. You know, and so, that was his bargaining chip. And that was his part and that's you know, important and to see him actually be like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to like get out of this one get out of this one like i'm I'm really and i feel like i'm right there with him like i'm i'm asking like myself how are you gonna get out of this like how right who's gonna come in from the sky divine intervention yeah like who who's gonna come in and just bring you who's gonna give you all these bells and then i think to stack onto it was when he stormed that was a different kind of scream so so yeah john c riley and uh that scene where uh he goes to his mom's house and it's the storms happening genie's trying to like console her mom Mm mm-hmm if you remember, Dr. Buss storms right back out because he got the call yes. that Jack was in the ICU. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I can't deal with this right now. And he storms out. Mm-hmm. And Jeannie's face, to me, like it was spoke a thousand words. Yeah. Because it was like almost reaffirming what her grandma told her the episode before. Okay. And I think this was like maybe the second time she felt like she might have experienced it. Okay. Um, and it looked like she had very mixed feelings about it. She that actress does a really good job of not speaking much, but yes. like showing a lot. You can really read what she's thinking. Yeah, she does a really good job of that. And I um, I'm glad you brought that up because I also felt like in that scene, all I heard was her kind of watching her dad storm out. It's like you create this shit storm and we have to clean it up. And mm-hmm. your mom, grandma is literally like ill. And I have to clean this up for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So almost kind of, I thought she was looking at him with like resentment, mm. like resenting him for mm. leaving now. Like again, right? Like it's again. your mom, right? Right. You know. So I got that. That's what I the look. I got from her was like, okay, I see I, that. How could you? I totally see that. How could you leave? <clears throat> okay, so. We're at the hospital. Yes. Because bus just ran out of... Stormed out of his mom's house. Mm-hmm. And so it opens up with bus, Paul, and... Bill. Bill. And we learn that half of Jack's skull is in a fridge. Yes. I was like, whoa. Yeah, because so, his brain is swollen. And... The thing I love about Jason Siegel is his ability to just 
take up so much space in a room because he's so huge. He's so huge. But be such a teddy bear. I know. He's, he's so... He's so good at being tormented. Tormented. <laughs> and this is his big moment. Mm-hmm. And he just says, I will pass. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in this moment, Dr. Bus is like, Paul, you're in. You're yeah, in. I like, need you. You have to win. McKinney is dead to me as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) This is your moment. Yeah. And Paul goes, no. No thanks. (laughs) No thanks. And then he recites some, he goes off in Uh, thought or something. Yeah. And it becomes Shakespearean. Uh, I didn't even bother to write everything down. I I mean, you'd have to, it's impressive that he even remembered all that. And then I wrote, okay, I was having a moment last night because I wrote bus. Don't lose I. And then I wrote, they're going to lose. <laughs> what? What? <coughs> what are you even saying? Don't lose I. It, af- it follows the scene in the hospital? Yeah, I think he wrote, I don't lose. Like, don't lose, Paul. Right, he definitely told him that. I think... He must have, but I wrote, don't lose I. They're going to lose. <laughs> we, yeah, we actually don't even know how the game went. No. Yeah. But, um, which by the way, it, it like further reassured that this show is barely about basketball. Yeah. It's not even really about basketball at this point, but. It's about the business of basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's kind of refreshing, right? Because you often see it's either the player and how he goes from rags to riches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and his big shot and his big moments. Um, but you rarely see the mechanics behind how the players are picked, how right. funding is happening, the actual, the fun stuff for a lot of people. Gotcha, that aren't you know, into the sport itself. That aren't into the sport, but they're into the sport of making basketball. Right, right. You know. Yeah, totally. Um, to me, I like it all. Give it all to me. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm pleasantly surprised. I want to know how you, I want to know about the company. I want to know how you run it. Yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised about how much I'm into learning about how this is all working. Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously it's dramatized. Yeah. But it's really, it looks really fun. I mean, not really. It sounds like a bowel nightmare, to be honest. Yeah, it seems so stressful. (coughs) So. Um, basically we, we leave, we leave the scene with Paul, like doubting in a, in a state mm-hmm. of doubt. And now we're at the club. Oh, okay. So I, a couple of things might've happened. I'm just kind of, like I said, yeah, yeah. That's going cool. no. through moments that I thought were big, but mm-hmm. if I'm missing some, please interject. No, no, no. That's exactly right. And <laughs> there's a, I just think it's funny or not necessarily funny, but I think the connection between when Dr. Buss is finally like, all right, Paul, it's your time. And Paul's like, I don't think I'm up for it. It lines up directly with the conversation him and Pat Riley were having earlier in the episode. Oh, yes. When When he he was like, I think I'm destined to just be the hand of a great man. Yes. Not necessarily the great man. Mm -hmm. I actually thought that was very... Um, you know, funny, funny thing is I'm trying to avoid using the term very 
mm. to imply a lot or much or deep. Uh, but it's just so a, easy to use. It's just so easy to use. Yeah. It just feels like second grader. Yeah, you're second, right. Second grade vocabulary. <laughs> Um, nothing wrong with second grade vocabulary for a second grader. <laughs> I am 34, 33, Three. 33. Yep. So look, I'm already adding, adding years to myself. Um, I thought that scene was honest and it felt very self-aware. Yeah. Big time. And I think him having that clarity mm-hmm. helps him in later in life right like yeah, understanding yeah. like i don't need to be at the forefront of like success i can be the helping hand to success yeah and sometimes people need to know their place <laughs> <laughs> and also i think it was great that it happened the way it did because you know I imagine how difficult it is to live in a world of being number two always but then you finally meet someone else that's kind of also a what the show considers a dispensable, forgettable number two, mm-hmm. right? What chick? How trick? Chick treats Pat as, as if as if he's a forgettable <laughs> number two. But try saying chick treats Pat three times really fast. It's chick awesome. treats Pat's chick treats Pat's. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just think like. It was great because it seemed like Paul finally met someone that actually understood what he was feeling mm-hmm. as a you know an adult professional in a particular field. Yeah. So it was nice. It was nice to see their dynamic. It seemed like they were having a genuine moment between them. Yeah. Um, and I think it's good to kind of understand like your strengths. Right. You know, and I think there is nothing wrong with being a number two. Right, You're only right. a number two because the way that we in our society and our culture we crave hierarchy have created these like caste systems, right? Of like, yeah. oh, you you have to be number one or something. But when you're number one, you're just alone. Yeah, you're up there alone as a one. You know, right, right. What's uh, but I then I feel like no, I totally agree, and I just I feel like uh, that loneliness extends to number two, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. Because I just think if I'm Paul Whitehead and I'm in an environment where everyone around me is a one, mm-hmm. really I'm the two, mm-hmm. right? Pro- he probably feels what Jerry felt in a very different way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he's been feeling it since Portland. And in Portland, he was at number three. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I think it was huge that in the beginning they established the friendship between Pat and paul yeah because it was two number twos acknowledging that they're number twos right that they just kind of they're they're dispensable right and they can have this moment where they can have a drink and just kind of talk about being number two and it's like i don't think paul's ever been able to do that before Mm. that's why i think it was a big deal because even when he was talking it was poetic and i was like oh (laughs) pat was like okay Uh what's that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right what's that i just love that like yeah he's great adrian brody's great he's so good yeah. so i thought the club scene was very um oh, foretelling yeah, maybe foreshadowing yeah and they did not know they had a connection um okay so i guess we're just gonna talk about it richard Pryor. what mike epps what playing richard Pryor. what 
did expect that. I literally Me screamed. Either. I wrote, ha! <laughs> yeah, um, I was like, wait a minute. Is that Mike Epps? I couldn't tell who he was supposed to be. Yeah. At first. Yeah, I didn't know that he was Richard Pryor at Me first. Either. It wasn't until further down that I was like, that's Richard Wow. Mm. Well, here's the thing, right? So in this scene, um, there's like the the I would say the starting lineup. Yeah, like Norman there, Norman, Stormin Norman, Cooper, Kareem, uh, Kareem, Haywood, Magic, Magic, Haywood, Spencer. Yeah, Spencer Haywood. At the time, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, Spencer Haywood. Um, I didn't know who Spencer, who's Haywood. Which. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, in the last episode, one of the images they used is the real Spencer Hayward. Okay, you yeah. see, I didn't. That flew right by. That yeah, went it was right like over my head. Number twenty-four. That picture is. I do movie. like that they use the real photos. It's cool because yeah. to me, I'm like, oh, they're playing the character so well. These are mm. these are the same people. Yeah, they when did. They're really, not. They did really well. And Kareem's full name, according to the last podcast, Louis Alcinder Jr. There you go. You heard it here. Heard it here. Um, and. So basically, in this club scene, right, we have the starting five plus Richard Pryor and a doctor. Dr. Day, yeah, he's there. That's right. But another doctor, a real doctor. Oh, Remember, they that's said, right. Real that's right. A real doctor. That's right. <coughs> the guy that just always seems to be with Richard Pryor. <laughs> she just gave that face, that like side eye face that uh, <coughs> if you watch Wild and Out. There's a guy named Khan. He's actually a battle rapper, and he's like <coughs> a legit battle rapper from New York. His name's Conceited, but uh, that face, his meme is famous. That's why I'm bringing it up. Mm. He does the side eye. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, damn. You know when you have like candy in your mouth? Oh right. Now it's like I'm eating a cough drop because obviously y'all know I'm sick. Can you hear that? That, yes. But I'm not talking. I know, but can you hear it? Yes. Okay. But it's not like... It's like there's something going on, but... Okay. So, basically, this real doctor... Mm -hmm. Air quotes. Is offering crack. Straight up. Straight up. (laughs) In a vial. And you notice that... Kareem says, you know I don't touch that shit. <coughs> Magic says no. Yep. Um, That's where Cindy says, oh, we're from Langs, Langs and mm-hmm. we don't do that stuff over there. Because mm-hmm. Cindy's there. Because um, Cindy is there. Yeah. Doing PR. Sure. <laughs> and then we have, but you notice, Spencer is looking at the vial. Yeah. He's looking at those de- those demons that he battled. I- Oh, he's looking at these rocks, and I'm like, uh-oh. Is this the beginning of, like, the fall for him? Like, oof. You know, because he's, he's been there before. He's right. in it himself, so. I thought that was, like, <coughs> very foretelling of how he's probably going to, like, disappear mm. in some way. Yeah, probably. Probably, like, maybe succumb to his devils. And then, um, and then Richard Pryor is giving advice, mm, and he tells him some real shit too. 
And I wrote, everyone has advice on fame now. <laughs> everyone Magic's met that's famous has had advice for him. I'm like, Richard, what are you talking about, Richard? What are you talking about? I mean, I'm sure he was giving him good. I didn't even write the advice. I just wrote, oh, everybody got advice. Because at the time, I didn't know he was Richard Parr. So I was like, everyone has advice now. <laughs> everyone you know knows about Hollywood. All of a sudden. I should have yeah, known, all though. All of a sudden, right. Um, and then I wrote, Nike Pipe Dream. <coughs> Does that ring a bell for you and anything on the scene for Nike after, Pipe Dream? After this Nike Pipe Dream. Um. I think it was something related to the Nike deal. Um. That he was, that it was, he thought he was going to make. Oh, wait. Isn't it because this is the same club, the, for, the whatever the. Yes. The club, the forum is after. It's like the forum Playboy House or something. Whatever the name of the club is at the forum. Oh. I think that's where Dr. Bus, Frank, or uh, the Mariano, his friend, his homie. Okay. Him and the two bankers. I think that's where they meet. Yes. So they're all there. Yes. And let me see. I don't think I wrote anything about that scene. Actually. Really? Mm-hmm. I wrote, right after that, I just went, I went back to... Um, when Cindy and this guy and Magic were arguing because Magic is called over to Dr. Buss's table yep. to talk more about like all these offers he has. Yep. Excuse me. And basically <coughs> he mentioned about Nike and how like Nike has these like mm-hmm. shares and, and the shoes and the shoes and name. and then he's looking at Converse because of Bird. And then Cindy comes in. The bangers also straight up dismissed Nike, if and, you remember. Yeah, I think that's kind of what yeah. I was like. They were saying, "Oh, it's Nike. That's a pipe yeah. dream." Oh, they're gonna. They're gonna. Oh, they're gonna end. Yeah, that's where I think it comes from. Yeah, they'll be done in a few months. Be, their shares are at this, and I was oh, like, "Oh man, could he not be more wrong? Could he not be more, <laughs> more wrong?" But um, like leading up to that scene, though, remember. Uh, Dr. Bus was really nervous about meeting the bankers because he had just came back from, mm-hmm. just come back from learning that the ownership wasn't signed or sent to the state and uh, that his mom was basically, her health was deteriorating. Right. So the next scene after <clears throat> the club, we're basically with the bankers now. Right. Just like basically panned over to the other side. Of yeah. So the, same like, club. They're still in the club, just mm-hmm. a different side. And... <laughs> And Dr. Buss is talking to the bankers, basically. They, they they met up a second time to talk about when he's going to drop the money. He's tap dancing. And have, have they reconsidered? And basically, the bankers are saying, um, we have not reconsidered. You own the company, and you are going to, I guess we're going to collect your dust. Right. Since you don't have anything. He says, uh, <clears throat> I think specifically, he says, well, look. We're looking at a six-month extension. Extension, And then they go, great. He goes, but um, it's going to be at 30%. And he was like, if you're the businessman you think you are, this is the banker talking to Dr. Buzz, you won't take this deal, and we'll just see you in bankruptcy. And then that's when Dr. Buzz does the thing where he breaks the fourth wall and tells us what he's about to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that they, he alludes to what was talked about at the beginning of this scene where they met before the bankers got there and Dr. Buss was really nervous and saying, I got a really bad feeling. I don't think this is going to work. And 
<clears throat> what's his name? His 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 best friend's name? Frank. It is Frank. Okay. Frank Mariani. Mariani. Okay. Frank goes. He was like, talk to bus. Or he goes, Jerry, what do you do? Jerry, what do you do? You're the you're Frank Sinatra. You're Fred Astaire. Put on the show. Dance. And get him to dance with you. You always do it. And then when the moment comes, fast forward to when the banker presents this deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he breaks and he's like, you know, it's time to tap dance. And that's when he rebuttals with a counteroffer. Okay. And basically that counteroffer is, is ba- like saying, give me until May. or Yeah. He says, give me until June. June. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. He says, I'll take it. I'll take this deal, but if you give me till June, and he goes, because come May, we're going to win the championship. Mm. And in June, you're going to be begging me for business. Mm. And he just sits there, and you're like, God damn. The confidence. I know. All those buttons unbuttoned. Like, oh. Um, and so then uh, Cindy comes in. That's right. Cindy makes an appearance. Well, she doesn't make an appearance. She makes... A statement. Yeah, she makes a splash. And she comes over. I don't know if she was, was she kind of invited or was she just hovering? Wasn't she? She hov- was like hovering. She was hovering. And then just sat on Magic's lap. And basically was like called over in a sense, right? I thought Dr. Bus was like, yeah, and you know, Magic, you and the honeys or something. And then she kind of like, mm. and he was like, yeah, come on. And then Dr. Bus kind of says, yeah, come over here or something. And then she like sits on his lap, but yep. not like on the side. She sits full frontal, full frontal, right? Almost her covering magic to talk to these like investors or right. bankers and Doctor Bus. And she's using a lot of we yeah, and a lot, a lot of, of us. Us, we think. And so she does it to the point that in the next scene is magic and her arguing. Because he's like, when, when did we become we this? When did we become we that? Mm-hmm. And us, and we're not a thing. Like, and she was like, oh, I was just trying to do public um, public relations. I'm just trying to help you out. And, da, da, da. and she was like, he was like, you know, what did she say? She was like, I care about you. I want to do this together. And, and then he, he was he goes, right, right. Why? That's, well, right. And he that's why. And he's saying, uh. Yeah, he was like, uh, everyone keeps calling me magic. Yeah. Everyone's looking out for magic. No one's looking out for Irving. I mean, Nike was. Mm-hmm. But um, Twing. But right before that, what I found was interesting, and it tied later into the end of the episode, or close to the end, I think, was when Richard Pryor was giving magic the advice. Mm-hmm. He used a very specific phrase. He said... You're just another stallion in the stable. Okay. And then when Dr. Bus calls Magic over, he starts talking like he owns Magic. And he's like, he's like, yes. He's like, all these companies. He called them property. Yeah. He was like, all these companies, they want him. And he was like, he's like, but nope, those pearly whites belong to us, Mm. belong to this organization. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I just thought, like, that was very <clears throat> uncomfortable when he said that. It was that. very uncomfortable, and Magic picked up on it. Mm-hmm. And I think he was in that headspace when Cindy was helping him, mm-hmm. air quotes. And <laughs> uh, that's when, yeah, leading into the scene Marge is talking about. 
And so they're like in the physician's like locker room, mm-hmm. the doctor's room yep. of the locker room. And I think this was an important scene too, by the way. Okay, why don't you lead with it then? Okay, so um they make their way into this the physician's room and it's just them two and they're speaking. And mm-hmm. They're talking about what's going on. And he was like you want what's best for magic so you can get your cut just like everybody else. And she says, no, I love you. I want you. Mm-hmm. And he goes, why? You want a man that she was like, I cook, I clean your plates. I cook your food. I do your, I clean your undies. She should have come drawers. Yeah, drawers. She's like, I clean your little drawers. And he's like, yeah, but you love the man that while you're doing all that, he's on the phone with Cookie in another room. Mm-hmm. And she, like, has to kind of swallow that for a sec mm-hmm. and goes, how is she doing? And then he's like, why do you care? Why do you love me? It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I love you. You know, I love you. I want you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they sort of start getting intimate. But They don't then, sort of start a kind of. He they, just goes yeah. full. He goes down. Yeah, on he her. goes down on her full blown. But what I think is the most important part of the scene is mm-hmm. right before he starts. Right. So. Technically speaking, right before things get physically intimate, mm-hmm. she gets she presents him with an opportunity to say, I love you back. Mm-hmm. So she goes, she grabs his chin and she goes, I love you. Mm-hmm. And he just stares at her and then begins the physical part. Mm-hmm. And when she's enjoying herself, the camera leans, zooms into her face. And when she leans back, she starts crying. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like her realizing Okay. That she loves him. She, I love him. He's never going to love me. I'm like another one of these girls in L.A. to him. Yeah. But she's like maybe coming to terms with that reality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll see what happens in the next episode. But I think it when, was a huge moment for Cindy. When that tear came out, I wrote, Cindy, please. <laughs> Girl. Oh, my God. Uh. I felt, you know, I didn't even feel bad for her. Mm -mm. I just thought, like, this man has clearly, has, like, set boundaries, right? Yeah. And you know what he's after. He just wants a honey. Yep. You're consistent. You're around. Exactly. Um, And he told you that he's still in love with the girl he broke up with. Before it comes. The girl that broke up with him. Right, right. Essentially, because he wanted to still be with Kirky. Yep. And so, I just, I'm kind of like, I don't know how much more clear this guy can be to, mm-hmm. towards you. Mm-hmm. And he's telling you, if you're going to, if you want to be around me, you have to be around me on my terms. Right. So, you, what's the tear for? Exactly. Yeah, what are you, you know, I, I'm, but, but, but like you said, in, in a much more, you know, sensitive, romantic aspect you you basically were saying like she's realizing that she can't will never be loved right by this man she loves right Mm -hmm. she'll She'll never never be be cook yeah but he already told you that right and was it right before or right after this scene i think it was before where magic was talking to dr day and they're having just them to speak oh right it was uh i guess after Mm -hmm. okay sorry go ahead basically Right. Let's see. I just realized why it was after. But go ahead. Um, 
Yes, it's a, it's a kind of a little ways after. Really? Mm-hmm. I have. So after Cindy, please. Okay. We're at we're back at the lounge. Back at the lounge. And that's where Doctor Bus says you're gonna beg for my business. Ah, uh, okay. And then after that, we have Paul at the podium mm. reciting Shakespeare <laughs> in his comfort zone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's his comfort zone. Uh, that's right. So the context Marge is talking about here is uh, <clears throat> they're supposed to do a press conference. Press conference. You know, I. Mm. <laughs> Oh couldn't, my goodness! Couldn't I, get that phrase. I had it. Yeah. But then when I when it was time to write down, mm-hmm. I couldn't write press conference. I was like, "What are they uh. doing?" <laughs> I wrote at uh, Shakespeare pregame podium. I really mm. meant Shakespeare press conference. Right, right, right. But I just wrote objects I saw. <laughs> <laughs> um. <clears throat> yeah. So. Paul, right before Paul goes up on this podium to speak at the press conference to talk about the situation with Jack. Because mm-hmm. it's out that he's in the hospital. They just don't know what state he's in. Mm. <clears throat> and basically, Jerry's there. Jerry West. Mm-hmm. He's there to help guide Paul through before the press conference. Mm-hmm. He tells him basically what to say and what not to say. And then says, when you feel jammed up, go to your comfort zone. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it brings it all together. Brings it all together, mm-hmm. and then sure enough, he actually starts off pretty strong. Yeah, he doesn't do that bad, mm-hmm. I think, um, in the press conference. But one reporter was like, he got a little too comfortable, and he name dropped Jack. Yes. He said, uh, "Like Jack's gonna be." All I was talking right. with I was talking with Jack, and we're not even sure what we want to do with Denver or something along those lines. And mm-hmm. then they all go. Wait, so you spoke with Jack yesterday? Is he up? Is he conscious? Is he right? And then he starts getting flustered. (laughs) Then he busts out the Shakespeare. I wish I wrote down what he said. I know. I was thinking about it too. Um, And so then, and then snack scene, we have Pat Riley in the scene. I, I wrote, I've never been more attracted to Pat Riley <laughs> than in this moment. Pat it's Riley's basically, moment. so Paul and Pat are in the coach's room. Yeah. And Paul's like, I don't know, do you want to be the head coach? Oh, yeah. Oh, so he, they were in there twice. They were in there twice at the beginning. That's right. Just when they And had then when he asked them for, like, do you want to do it? And I was like, oh, I know, is, right? it, is this the is moment? Is it the moment? I thought, because I, so I expected Paul to ask Pat while Jack dies. I was like, Jack flatlines. Paul, I, I just thought it was going to be some like Requiem for a dream. Yeah, like, drama. Drama, but it wasn't. It, he just said no. He didn't say anything. He just laughed it off. So then we're back in the ICU. And he does give him a pointer, though. What was the pointer? He, uh, when Paul's talking about, and he's, he's like, I don't understand how uh, yes, yes, yes. the actions and hunting tendencies of a Bengal tiger helps me understand <laughs> Thompson in Denver. Because he's that's the star player of the opposing team that he has to come up with a game plan against. Mm-hmm. And then Pat stands up and he looks at the like lineup and he points to a player. And he goes, well, you could start by putting someone there. And it's like, oh, okay, Pat. He, he also like suggested <clears throat> he would look at Cooper. Right. And Bench Hayward. Right, right. Haywood. Why am I saying Hayward? Haywood. 
That's um, right. That's right. And that goes, that happens for a little bit too. He's like, bench him. Start him. Bench him. No, I'll start him. And he's like waiting for Pat to say, And Pat's do this. just like smiling. And I'm yeah, because like, oh. he knows. He knows. He's like, This is what it's like, huh? He's like, No, no, Paul, you do it. You pick. You pick. You pick. He didn't say any of these words, Adrian Brody, but he was saying. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we're in the ICU. Yes. And basically, um, so we're in the ICU and Paul is having a conversation with the guys. Yes, the team is at the hospital. The team is yes, the team is at the hospital. And um Haywood and Cooper are having a conversation yes. about how how Paul can't be the head coach. He's just another coach who's gonna come in and replace all the other coaches. Mm-hmm. He's like irrelevant. Yeah, I th- and I think specifically though he's saying Cooper is worried that Paul is gonna bench him. him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Haywood is Haywood is saying Man, with all the talent you got, even a fool could see it. Yeah. Even Paul. Yeah. And then Paul comes in right, right at that moment. Right at that moment. Mm-hmm. And obviously hears yep. what was said. But this conversation happened after Cooper, after Paul was having the conversation with Pat Riley about who would start. Who would right. start. That's so right. basically, Haywood just handed Cooper mm-hmm. the starting. Mm hmm. Um, and I re- honestly, I felt really bad for Haywood. If I'm being honest, how come? I I mean, it's I just felt bad for him because it felt like he was just trying to help a rookie out, right? And he said something that is really normal between players, mm-hmm. but Paul happened to come in at that time, and then knowing the career he's led mm-hmm. to now be potentially in this situation with yet another team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just felt for him. Mm. I felt for him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, like, ominous yeah. around Haywood. Yeah. A lot of, like, mm-hmm. something, something ain't right. Something ain't right. Yeah, Something's very really dark about his energy <clears throat> and what's going to happen for him. Mm-hmm. Every time I see him, I just think about, like, the Raven. You know, like Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. <laughs> like he's kind of—he's giving me like the Raven yeah, energy. He's very scruffy. There's just something about him that's like—he's like the foreshadow. Like mm. he's the dark—the dark, not the dark horse, but like the darkness. He's the one that really succumbed to the '70s and '80s. The vice is really gonna get to him. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then this is where City shows up. On allegedly behalf of Magic, who Magic. is not here, who is not at the hospital with the team. Why is he there? Did he went to meet the Adidas rep. Gotcha. Or sorry, the Converse rep. Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay. Um, that's true. Because I even the whole scene, I was like, where is he? So then um, basically Cindy goes and delivers flowers on behalf of Magic. A whole bunch of flowers. She said, and the whole team. <laughs> will help with his breathing and then magic um the team is like the fuck <laughs> you are like what is who is this why is, is she this? here where's magic whose woman is she yeah exactly that's and what so, they're saying yeah. and so now we're um the next scene we're at the elevator at the westin yep, and, and this is the atlanta westin oh really yeah because the it's i've it's, been there a lot it's the glass elevators elevators 
the one in um, LA, they're like brown. Oh. When you're going up, this is all glass. Yeah, I've totally been to the West End a I, lot for I New think, Year's. I think this is the West End. You, mm. Yeah, you, I, I just recognized it immediately. And then I wrote, I wrote Converse. Should have gone with Nike. Financial literacy, y'all. <laughs> Those are my thoughts on that scene. Yeah, basically. <laughs> a bunch of nice words. But what I thought was nice touch was the uh, Converse rep. Mm-hmm. The words he used to describe Magic signing was, "Here's our stallion. He's over coming to our stable. We're gonna make a lot of hay." Mm, which, the, which which is parallels buses. Mm-hmm. And then to what Richard Pryor said, literally the same night, bus said it. Mm-hmm. And so you could see There's a lot of parallels here. You could see a lot of the like distaste in Magic's face, of like how he's being i guess you know packaged like you're not a person livestock right and so basically so after that after that scene we're back at dr bus's mom's house jesse jesse bus Mm -hmm. and she was seen by a doctor and um you know bus is worried about his mom straight up and this is one of those I think <clears throat> he is genuinely and thoroughly concerned. About I think this his mom. is the first time we see him like truly concerned about, mm-hmm. you know, because if his mom passes away, I feel like he will be lost. Yeah, totally. He relies on her for, you know, she's the accountant, right? Right. So. But she's also like, you know, probably his, who he consults the most, who he trusts the most. His like silent partner in mm-hmm. a lot of things. So I'm sure he. You can see that starting to begin, like in yeah, his headspace, to creep like, in, right? He's, like, he, what's next? He seems troubled. But he seems troubled. very troubled. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, I really liked when he was explaining about their upbringing. <laughs> it reminds you that he's not all L.A. Right? Yeah, that he's just a sweet boy from yeah, West from, Virginia. He's a kid from the slums. And um, so, following that scene, it's game night. It's Paul's big moment. And he is mm-hmm. finally getting it together in the locker room. Oh, right. They're in the locker room now. And it's Paul and Shakespeare, and it's a love story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something about grief and like not letting it command a moment or something like that. And Spencer is doing what Spencer does, squinting his eyes. <laughs> he... he <laughs> The way he does squint eye work. Pretty, pretty professional. We should take classes. Yeah. For just the squint eye work. Mm-hmm. Just alone on the squint eye. So he can say so much with just the squinting of mm-hmm. his eyes. A nice little tilt. Yeah. The head tilt, make sure the chin and forehead are points in the same side, but the eyes are a little. Then it's like a side t- eye squint. Yeah, and he tucks. He's oh. good. He's good at it. He's really, really good. And I'm like, okay, well, squint away. <laughs> and basically, do do the game, win the game. Well, we don't know that. Are you sure? Yeah. They don't actually talk about the result because the next scene is... We're in the hall. And the game hasn't even started. Right. Because we're in the hall and Cindy's daddy. That's the scene I was waiting for. And I wrote, yikes, Cindy daddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Dr. Day. He's ba- so basically they're in the hallway mm-hmm. and Jeannie him and Bean, magic him and magic and Cindy and Jeannie Bean is right behind them. That's right. 
and sin and basically Jeannie's like oh they're kind of having a conversation Jeannie can tell that it's a little bit uncomfortable right. and so she goes here let me follow you to your seats and she takes Cindy with her first right. because the Lord Dr. Thomas stays behind magic asks him to magic says, asks him to can you hold back for a sec yes also real quick do you think there's anything going on between Jeannie and, and magic, magic? I don't know. There, there seems to be like an unspoken understanding between Yeah, them. like some attraction on some level, or at least some understood, like, I enjoy our interactions. I feel like when I first saw it, I interpreted it as like a, some sort of like sexual thing. Mm -hmm. But I think that might have been just my bias to his sexual history. Uh. I think that they have an understanding of like the business of this. I feel like they're going to have a good relationship. I feel like. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's more telling of the trusting relationship they're going to have. Mm. If more than anything. Okay. If that makes sense. That's how I understood it. Because initially I want to be like, oh, it's about sex. I mean, and it's, then I thought, you're not far off with the show. so Right. And then I thought, no, I actually think it feels a little bit deeper than that. It feels right. more. I'm curious if it's something more. I was curious if you saw it, if you felt it too. Yeah, I know for sure. It was very much. They just have that. Right. They just have that look. Right, right. <laughs> um. So basically. So basically he's talking to his dad. He's talking to Dr. Thomas. Yep. And he's basically saying like. What are you in this for? Right. Because if I don't have a relationship with your daughter, what's next? And he's basically like, you can trust me. Fuck my daughter. Basically. He's basically <laughs> straight up saying that. He's like, you know, whatever. He's like, what you ever do? That's you. That's y'all. And on top of that, mm. Magic says, can you tell her for me? What a coward. I know. What a coward. And then the Dr. Thomas goes, sure. He just puts his hand up. He and says, the trust begins. Right. He puts his hand out and he just, he never even says yes. He puts his hand out and says, I'll lay, I'll lay her down lightly. And then uh, this, <sighs> soon after that, I wrote, ooh, Spencer Chase and Vice with Richard Pryor. Yeah, ooh. because of that scene in the in the locker room uh, walkway. Yeah. he's or basically the hallway, I guess, of the. Yeah. Uh, the same hallway that Magic was walked, mm -hmm. by, walked through with Bus at the very beginning. Um, so then we're back in the ICU and McKinney is dead. <laughs> is he, alive. He does that. He has, I literally, I was like, I don't hear the flat line. Yeah, Why is she right. acting like he's dead? Right. Right. That's what I was confused about. I was so, that literally tripped me out. And then I guess he does wake up because Paul shows up and McKinney's like, Oh, here's the play for, for Denver. And then oh, Paul goes, Denver, that was two weeks ago. And I was like, two weeks ago? Right. Boom. Another surprise time skip. Okay, so it's been two weeks? That's um, why I was like, I don't know who won. Right, because it already... It never showed the game. It never showed the score, and it never showed a stat sheet. They never talked about winning or losing. It was just like... It already game, happened. Hallway. Uh, Spencer sees Richard Pryor and, quote, air quote, the doctor. I think it's implied that they won. Paul, there was there was a self assurance to Paul when he ran back mm. to McKinney and was like, "That was two huh. weeks ago." Okay. I, I, that to me was like, I think that implied that they won. Okay, I mean, I know they didn't say it, mm -hmm. which I, I know I usually go by what they say, but there was a confidence there that implied like we won. Mm. 
so I went off of that. Yeah. I don't know what you do you think. You yeah, just kind of I, I don't know. You were uh, left in the dark. <laughs> yeah, I just I, it was like there was no, there wasn't enough information. But uh, I think you make a good point. Um, um, it's been two weeks, and Paul still showed up. So that yeah. implies that. That things are good. Things are good enough for him to not be the coach for a while. Right. Or, yeah, or that at least Paul hasn't also been fired. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I just I think I meant to say that. I just said it wrong. <laughs> no, um, there's moments where you're just like, I, things are right, not coming right. out. Mouth. What I thought was awesome, though, was how they kept, and it's the last thing, um, how they kept showing his unconscious jacks. Yeah. Even in the unconscious, he was thinking about how to deal with Thompson. That that got me fucked up. Yeah, I was he's like, sure, dude. So are you? A-? And Paul was in it. Okay, so when he woke up, mm-hmm. when when his wife was first on top of him, and she was like, "Somebody help!" And I was like, "He didn't flatline. <laughs> I don't understand." <laughs> then he wakes up, and he's in this new room, mm. and I thought, "Is he dead? Is you this noticed like there was a new room?" Yeah, I, I thought. Didn't. Oh, it was a new room. Yeah, because that- I thought his subconscious was like. Oh, wait, wait. You're talking about him sitting at the desk with the light. No, 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 no. So when his wife is on top of him, he's kind of in ICU. Yeah, yep, yep. And he has all the all the things on. And then she freaks out. You're saying that hospital room was different from when he, they first showed him in the ICU? No, no, no. The, the next scene when he's talking to Paul. In his dream, right? In, the, in his unconscious. No. When I he's, don't think that... When the Denver thing happened two oh, weeks ago. Oh, you're saying when Paul showed up to the room. Yeah, when Paul okay. showed up to the room, he's in a different room. And I thought that implied that he got... Two things I thought it implied. I thought he was dead. And he woke up in a hospital room. <laughs> and then the second thing I thought, oh, he must be getting better because they switched his room. Wow. Because I did he not woke up. notice he was in a different room. That would have told me, oh, time has passed. Yeah, that's to me, he's in a different room. And so when he said two weeks ago, I was more shocked that it happened two weeks. I thought it was the same day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. That's but why. I, I guess but his skull I, was reattached. If I did it right, right, exactly. Like he's sitting here talking. So his skull, that's a good point. I did not even think about it until you just said something. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, no, that was, that that was I think that's why I thought he was dead because we were in his subconscious. I thought mm-hmm. we were about to just see the end. Yeah, and then when he talked about, and I was like, "He's alive." And that Paul was in there, and he was like, "What's the point? What's the point?" And I think that was alluding to saying, "Like, yo, it's been two weeks." Because remember, when Paul showed up in Jack's subconscious, he was sitting on that couch, and they were talking about Thompson, who's the player for Denver. Okay. And he kept saying, "This is what you should do. You know, take him down the baseline as we can, but he's not going to do this." Blah 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 blah. Um. And then Paul's listening to him and he goes, I hear you, Jack, but, you know, what's the point now? What's the point? Yeah. And then Jack, <clears throat> it goes back to him and he stands up at that desk that it's just him and the light and there's darkness everywhere else. And he goes, I'm really just thinking about Denver. And it's the same thing Paul said in the press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when it cuts to him waking up and going, uh, you know. You should do this. And he's like, it's been two weeks. Gotcha. I think that Paul being on the couch saying, what does it matter? Mm-hmm. Was the link to time in passing. real life time passing. And Paul saying, it's been two weeks, man. Hmm. That's interesting. That's how I took it. I like completely missed that. But Yeah, I missed the room change. Honestly, I would have picked up on it time passing if I noticed the room change. I didn't. Yeah, nice I, to catch. me it was like. 
he because i thought the subconsciousness was just more of like a bunch of images i didn't even like look into like the conversation mm. i was just more of like oh he's about to, i just was waiting for him to die I literally yeah, I I, in that moment i decided he's dead yeah i'm just gonna wait to see how he ends up being dead but I if that conversation happened and then he's like what does that matter he's waking up to paul telling him denver was two weeks ago and that makes sense that's how i took it yeah and then it ends with oh the gosh. man we've been talking about nonstop, Ugh. dr thomas dr. thomas day delivering tickets he's delivering courtside tickets to cookie cookie to cookie <laughs> he's delivering her some crisps at college yeah and sure enough the friend is like if you don't take him i will mm-hmm. and then the music kicks in and dr day goes I'm just here to hand you these tickets. What you do with them is up to you. And yeah. he starts walking away. And she goes, tell him I'll think about it. And he goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, the smirk happens with Cookie. Yeah. Episode ends. Oh. What a show, man. Great episode. It was great. The yeah. last two have just been great. They've been so story-rich. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this episode a lot more. I, I felt like well. it was, the comedic timing was really good, but it was mm. also serious in a way that I didn't expect the, it was a I lot more, I expected this to be a lot more funny. Mm. And I'm finding it to be a little bit more like interesting and right you know it's the yeah i i feel i, I feel you on that I feel, just because i find succession to be so funny right you know but there's obviously there's the there are moments there's the beauty in succession but yes it's like a huge comedy tragedy yeah <laughs> it's more a of a tragedy tragedy anyway guys thank you so much for tuning in thank you and uh this has been episode six We'll see you guys on episode seven. Love you. Bye. Bye.